Uh, welcome to the Geeked Out Podcast. There's no D&D this week. I am joined, or I am Cole. We are, I, our hosts today are Donovan. Hi. Luke. Hello. And Cody. Hello. Today we are talking about Half-Life. Please, uh, please do not make Half-Life 3 jokes. Uh, I was thinking... Please, please do not. I was thinking yes. we're doing, like, classic games, what with, you know, the shadow drop of the Quake remastered, like, what, a week ago? Uh, yeah, I, I and honestly, Half-Life 3 jokes have run their course. Yes. Like, they can still be yeah. made every so often, but it's not, like, not anything to really force in or anything. At this point, it's, if you think of How I Met Your Mother and the I Would Walk 500 Miles song, we're right now at the point where it's just not funny. Now, probably give or take about another year, it might be funny again, but right now it's it's kind of played out. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to be funny anymore. Those jokes are going to be funny anymore. I think they're, they've completely run their course. But anyway, I guess we're just talking not just about Half-Life, but classic games, because Quake was involved, too. Quake, Half-Life, old Valve games. Yeah. Old PC games. I mean, you got Unreal that uh, Luke was telling me about. I mean, they essentially Quake and Unreal were, you know, duking it out. Yeah, they really. Yeah, about the time that Quake Two came out, um, Unreal Gold also was released uh, close to that, I uh, believe by Ion Storm, and it was kind of marketed as a Quake killer. Yeah, and then there was. I don't think he was actually involved in that. I don't think it was a contender, but don't forget Shadow Warrior. Oh, that yeah. 3D Realms at Shadow Warrior. Yeah. That was closer to the 2.5D games like Duke Nukem and whatnot. Yeah. Still have to bring it up. Just oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. Duke Nukem reminds me of like Doom and Wolfenstein back on old like Windows 95. Yeah. Doom just or Duke Nukem just reminds me of the poor bastard who pre-ordered it back in nine or late night or Duke Nukem Forever late or in late early two thousands or late nineteen nineties. Oh yeah, and just oh. had it honored and was really upset with what he got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I for about twenty or so years, finally got it and just went, "Well, this is a piece of shit." I'm sure he was thinking those earlier trailers looked a little better, maybe. Uh, yeah. More quite a few. Speaking of Duke Nukem, what is the hate with Duke Nukem Forever? It is a bad game. Where to begin? Seriously? It's a bad game? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I guess if you were coming from the earlier Duke Nukem games and pretty much anything that came out of the 2000s, like Half-Life 2 or anything like that, the quality of Duke Nukem Forever was not even close to par. No. it. I mean, it didn't even feel, or it didn't feel like it even had the spirit of Duke Nukem. It Jokes didn't land. 
jokes the didn't land. Levels were poor. Levels were just really poorly designed, and I think just were ultimately linear. They were very linear. You had a lot of mechanics that were. It, it was. It tried to poke fun being self-aware about them, like Valve's physics puzzles or the recharging health of modern shooters, but it, it included the worst parts yeah. of those things because you had recharging health and you had annoying physics puzzles. Well, you, you, it went through, what, like seven different studios that all went out of business trying to develop yeah. it? Yep. Oh, that explains quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really tough. And of course, that was what Gearbox was involved with that. Yeah, Gearbox uh, was the final developer of it, published through yeah. 2K. Yeah, around the. Course, uh, they have their own controversies. Yeah. I want to say it came out the it came out in 2011. I want to say the same time or June 14th, before, 2011. Uh, yeah, I want to say it came out shortly before uh, Colonial Marines, didn't it? Uh, before I don't know if it was shortly, but yeah, it um, Colonial uh, Marines was kind of a, f a follow up two, that two should have broken the back of that company. To be honest, I have to remind myself that Colonial Marines is not Aliens vs Predator Two, which I enjoy. <laughs> oh, AVB Two was fantastic. fantastic. Are you talking about the one made by Monolith? I I was too young at the time. I didn't start caring about uh, studios until I was like. <clears throat> much much later so i actually don't know who made it all i know is it was aliens versus predator 2. yeah that's prop people talk about that one like it's the best in the series and i don't disagree with that was that the, so good uh, luke was that the one that you, you had me play like back in i think shortly after we got like the mat or back in like either middle school or high or just after we started high school it could be. Uh, there were one or two that I had. If we're talking about the multiplayer, that must have been the original uh, AVP two thousand. It was. It was not the multiplayer. Okay. Well, if it was, that's tough. How to describe it? It was made by the same guys who did Blood, and now are they known for Shadow of Mordor? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was more narrative driven than the first but it just fantastic campaigns among all three playable characters uh it's just a great game from yeah. game design to weapons to everything it's it's just great yeah and i also like the fact how you kind of see like like if you're the human you see the predator and the alien from their respective campaigns oh yeah parts yeah. of the campaign you're for and, sure talking about avp2 then yeah yeah, like I said, AVP two. Yeah, I I mean, some people it's tough because I I don't think you don't know what you're talking about. The only reason <laughs> I try to specify it is because the reboot was just called AVP. Oh, that, that one, not that one. I did not play yeah. that one. Was that the one that came out on the Xbox? Yeah, or like the three sixty. The one where the Xenorph was branded with the number six, I believe it was. That's right. Yeah, I didn't play that one. I played the actual AVP too. That one was really good. Yeah, the the way you see the story unfold from different perspectives, it reminded me a little of Half-Life, like we're kind of talking about, uh, the way they tried yeah. to line up those stories. Not only that, but there weren't really any cutscenes either. Like, you had full control throughout it all. 
so you can kind of look around and see what was going on yourself rather than having the camera forcibly turned around on you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a great part where, uh, as the predator, you have a dramatic moment. Uh, you jump out of like a hangar onto a, a dropship that's trying to fly away. And in the Marines campaign, you, you see him jump out this this massive hangar door just down into nothingness and you see a, a, a dropship fly away. It's it's cool to see the same event kind of play out. Yeah, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. It's rare to actually see that happen in other things. I know, right? I think yeah. it was just Half-Life that only really had that and even then it was it was just you went back and played the mods later like uh, Blue Shift and or the uh, the expansion packs uh, opposing yeah. force and blue shift opposing yeah. force and blue shift uh but they didn't really do what avp2 did right i mean you saw some things like uh blue shift had you play as barney so you'd see where mm -hmm. he went yeah you got to see gordon in the the tram yeah and um as adrian in opposing force you could see uh gordon jump through the the teleporter to zen towards the end yeah. of the game. But yeah, Half-Life, if we're touching back on the original topic, uh, the impact is kind of taken for granted these days. It was really the first game to do like an unbroken first-person narrative. I mean, yeah. It, yeah it, unbroken, I mean, uh, you were constantly going. All you had to separate levels were loading screens. No, I... I yeah. I just... So, holds up today, gameplay and puzzle wise. Except for Zen. Zen had yeah. to be remade in a mod. <laughs> that, that is true. Zen was tough, I, yeah. I just don't think really in anything else. Like, it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's, I guess it's the heresy statement of similar to cowboy bebop luke okay yes it is great it is a 10 out of 10 anime like half-life is a 10 out of 10 game but it is overhyped like, it's it is not the end all be all it is not the greatest thing it does have a good amount of flaws in it oh yeah Again, my, with, like, my then, statement is no way in no I, way I, I, sorry no i i i get that i i i understand that it's not like an end all be all thing it's just yeah it, it it again has to be said because we are talking about it it's just there were flaws oh yeah there are things that didn't age necessarily well there are things that uh i think still hold up and that's why other games kind of imitate them yeah. but you know classic 100 percent masterpiece not necessarily no uh, I wouldn't say so, but it definitely defined the first-person shooter genre for a long time. I would say that's a hundred percent correct. It really changed the way we played them, for better and for worse. Some games yeah. took the wrong lessons from it. I, yeah, I'd still Some call that... it a masterpiece in its own right, though. Yeah, oh, it's time definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it again. It's just the flaws are there well yeah let's then it just let's get into that uh cole 
why don't you start like just list them, man? I got fucking lost constantly in that game. Fair. I have. I can get through most games. I can get through. I think the only game that I actually got just as lost was fucking uh, System Shock Two. <laughs> That's because you have to backtrack. I mean, even with the backtrack, I'd end up be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and just do everything I can." I'm looking at a completely different screen, going, "Okay, I have a map there <laughs> of exactly where I need to go." I've somehow still ended up in the completely wrong area. I'm unsure of how I got here. Yeah. There were I think what parts of Half-Life really got you. I want to say it's like when you actually get on the tram car first. On a oh, round, you mean yeah. like yeah, that one. Was that was that, pretty bad. There was I want to say the first moment you actually start getting into like going underwater as well also just somehow managed to fuck me up. Yeah, that's I want to say that's apprehension is when you go underwater when you start finding the uh, the shark creatures. Yeah. Um I got lost um like after you had the encounter with the ninja girls that put you in the crusher. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah right after getting out of that I yeah, the assassins and then you get out of it. I got lost in that building for quite a while. That's residue processing and that is a hundred percent valid. There are so many conveyor belts, so many places to get lost. Um it's huge and it's cool to explore, but yeah, like it's, it's just really big. Easy to get lost in. Yeah. Okay, um, but here's a question. It, yeah. With, with hmm. getting lost, there are games that are even older than Half Life that literally came with like a huge map. Yeah. That no, you had to were... hold on to, and if you lost that map, you you just couldn't play the game. No, no, you are 100% right. I'm just saying this is also one of the flaws of Half-Life. I'm not saying it is a sole flaw to Half-Life, but it is something that was there. Like, again, System Shock 2. It is really easy to get lost in that game. Yeah. And it can, it can mess you up because you've gotten lost, and you're just sitting there going, well, I have no resources, I can't do anything. I'm just going to go ahead and just undo the last hour I spent trying to get to the place I'm trying to go because I can't find it and just reload a save. Yeah. I guess my my question is more towards with there being games that were older and some that are newer where it requires like an absolute map that came with the game or else you would be lost. In contrast to Half-Life, is it just as sinful or is it a little more workoutable. So, I would say, hmm, that's an interesting comparison. So, what are, uh, I guess, name, I guess, give me one of these games. I can tell you whether or not, yeah. it's, give you a better idea of whether or not it's better I, or worse. I'm trying to look because I haven't actually played, but I know that there was a couple of PC games early on where it came, like, the game actually came with an actual map. It was it was some sort of space game, and if you lost the map, you just got lost in that game. I mean, just looking over to my shelf, that kind of that could kind of apply, I guess, to like the first uh, Elder Scroll, like the first two Elder Scroll games. I mean, it's been a really long time since I played them, so I need to go back and actually figure it out. But 
I think you get pretty lost easy or easy, yeah, get lost pretty easily in those games too, right, Luke? What was or the question? You, uh, with the original half or not half Elder Scroll games, like Daggerfall, it was pretty easy oh, to get sure. lost in those too. Yeah, not just because of the sprawling nature of the environments, but um, that was kind of what it was about—just exploring. As yeah. compared to like old point-and-click adventure games and things like that, Half Life is much more linear. There are just oh, yeah. some levels where they kind of let you expand out and explore, which I don't think is too bad. It's just sometimes it kills momentum, pacing issues, those things. Yeah. It's also a bit of a, a whiplash effect because you're used to like these pretty linear pathways, and all of a sudden you're expected to just explore the environment. If you go through a whole game going linearly, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to explore around to find the way through, it can kind of mess you up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so there is that. There's now I'm gonna say this. There is the uh, I vaguely remember some points that actually require like crouch jumping, and yes. you can't get that mechanic down. You're fucked. <laughs> It is, there's a learning curve to do with that, yeah. And I can do it with a controller. I am not so good with a keyboard as Luke has seen when we play <laughs> fucking what was it? <laughs> they Hunger? Oh, yeah. That was a really good Half-Life mod. We can talk about that, too. But, um, yeah, you kind of have to learn that. The beauty of that, though, is that you can switch the keys. You can. It's just, again, it is one of those things that just... It, you gotta learn that, and some I've I'm bad at it, but I am gonna say uh, Michael's worse at it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Even playing Gary's mod, he has a rough time of it. Yeah. But to your point, um, oh my god, Grandpa, I'm blanking on your name, Donovan. Donovan, thank you. To your point, Donovan, I feel like Half Life only seems jarring coming from a modern shooter perspective. Because if yeah. you think about it, before that we were playing things like Doom, which were incredibly linear. You could explore these little levels, but comparatively, Half-Life lets you run loose in Black Mesa, this massive labyrinthian underground complex. And while it was linear, it lets you explore more than ever before. These days, that might seem jarring coming from, like, Modern Warfare a little bit, but back then it was just, it was new. Yeah. I guess that is a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that doesn't mean it's aged the best, but... No, no, no. It, it was just, like I said, more my question was with, you know, that you got lost in it. It was more, was it still, you know, solvable and usable... Whereas in comparison to some other games, like, you know, where it came with, you know, actual map and stuff that you had to actually use. And if you didn't use it, you were, you know, the blind leading the blind. That's true. That's a good point. It was definitely much more solvable to but use it, your word. But there were also kind of just points where the entire map or the entire section looks the same. Yeah. Again, with the real cart, where the entire area looks the same, and I found myself consistently back in the chamber with that has like the three tentacles in it that you have to destroy or kill. And I oh, just, that, yeah. I just keep looking at it, going, "Okay, well, 
on the level I'm on, there's two exits. I don't. Yeah, because you have to backtrack. That's I don't know the last. One I need to, yeah, that's I the one where you have to. to. I don't know which one I have to go through, and I'm not sure where I came from. And you don't, you don't necessarily get like where you're supposed to go until you, like, if you just run through that first control room and you don't look at the thing, like, oh, okay, I need fuel and I need power and I need to go to two different places to get those. If you don't look at that, you have no idea where you're going. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely a more older game feel because uh, you did have to kind of take your time a little bit to see what was going on in the environment around you. Because if no, you, you did, did just run through that uh, that room, like you just said, you wouldn't know where you're going. But if you took a moment and looked, it's like, okay, I can't fire this uh, rocket off because it doesn't have fuel or power. So I need to, follow, I guess, follow these pipes because they're labeled fuel and power. Yeah. Right. It was very environmental storytelling. And you have a a dying scientist who tells you that you need to fire the rocket engine. So you, you're like, okay, where do I go to fire it? Okay, there's a big a, a, um, ignition button. I can't press that because of these two things. It, it kind of leads you breadcrumb-wise to that. Well, you can hit the button. It just doesn't do anything. Like it makes this, right. like the, the button press noise doesn't do anything. You're like, what's wrong with this? And then you kind of like there's some stuff on the console as well as like there's no power there's no fuel there's no oxygen whatever all this stuff is exactly it's really while yes you can't just blitz through the game i kind of think that it's kind of good it doesn't let you just blitz through the game i agree yeah it's just it's jarring yeah I, don't know, um, I get it. What else? I don't. Again, might be a sin saying it. I don't think the gunplay has aged that well. It did. That's not a sin. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, I don't disagree, <laughs> mainly because uh, people keep using the gunplay from it, even today, as a standard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's the standard for FPSs nowadays. That it's just like. You can't really fault Half-Life for being the way it is concerning to influence the first-person shooter genre as a whole. But on the other hand, it's a bit stale because everything does it nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's just... There's there's definitely that. There's... AI is not always the smartest either. It's not. There is some interesting tidbits about that. The AI actually has functions that will run without you being around and and they yeah. do infight you'll have creatures that don't like other creatures you'll have yeah. certain creatures that actually stick together you don't get to see that much in the game that ai in action but it's pretty cool and the weapons yeah, yeah the gunplay is not the most punchy or satisfying certainly uh, it's hell, no fear a lot of the weapons are kind of no it's not fear that's a great point actually no, it isn't it well, okay, well on that front i don't as much as good as fear is yeah i don't i think this kind of just gets where like i guess the argument against what i'm saying is just are the gunplay and half light fitted what it needed to and did what it needed to because you're not supposed to be like a trained soldier like you are in fear you're just some <laughs> You're just a fucking scientist who's like, oh, well, shit, I don't want to die. 
time to that, leave. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good point, honestly, because the space marine had been done to death by that point. The scientist was kind of a new perspective. Yeah, the random Joe Schmo. Right, and the weapons for their time were pretty cool. You never had weapons that you could reload manually. Sometimes you had weapons that would do that on their own once you expended all the shots, but not for every single one. Yeah. And you, you have like, like, like a, 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 a little a, thing you could, a little critter you could throw that yeah, so you rested everything and explodes. Oh, the snarks. Yeah. yeah, the snark. That's what it's called. Yeah, the snarks. You got a lot of novelty weapons. Definitely. I just, if, before Half-Life, if I do have to choose like an actual series that gets its weapons down better, that yeah. does get the gunplay better. Half Life Two does definitely just even, even comparison, just blow Half Life out of the water. It does, but even then, it has its issues. It's like no, uh, you're one hundred percent correct because they still it got better, but not all the way better. Like I, I think yeah. you're right that you still have those problems. We improved in some areas, but yeah, but I mean, it, it, it it's that, but it also kind of, I mean, so Half Life didn't encounter this as much as half-life 2 but there are still points where just there's situational weapons that once you leave an area you're just never going to use it again right where it's just the pheromone grenade thing yeah and i mean as fun as the rocket launcher is it's not something i'm going to be looking at just going yes i have nothing else i'm just going to go ahead and use the rocket launcher because that's really i mean it's accurate that's a really quick way to die but when you spend 90% of the game inside, it's a really quick way to die. I mean, I guess that's a quick way to be, when you're in a lost situation, be like, well, my life is over. Rocket Launcher well, I mean, was what you got the ammo for when you were about to go into a boss fight. Yeah. But, I mean, there was that, there was also, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, there was just also just, if I'm going to use the Rocket Launcher at that point, I'm kind of resorting to it and i'm you know in an area where i'm just looking at going well these are really confined hallways there's a turn right in front of me and i'm about to get shot down i'm either going to get shot down just inherently or just reload a save which we're going to say that even though you know you're not really going to use the rocket launcher the rocket launcher is really good for what it was no it was oh, yeah. it, it's definitely one of the more i guess well set rocket launchers for people who don't know the rocket launcher when you fired it 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 has like a little laser on it and it follows that laser faithfully like if you shoot past an enemy and put the laser on it it will loop back around to hit that guy yeah no it will yeah it's also got a function that uh just lets it free fly kind of yeah that's another thing all the weapons had secondary functions that that was not something that most games did for every single weapon. I think the other one that I can think of that did that might have been Dark Forces. The pistol doesn't have one, does it? Uh, not in in Half Life. Two. The pistol doesn't have an all fire, does it? Uh, yeah, it does. It fires faster, but not accurately. Because uh, I could never figure out what the the pistol could do if it, like we all fired it. Yeah, it just it fires rapidly. Uh, and there is just Zen being a buggy mess. Zen, yeah. yeah. Zen was 
It felt rushed. Uh, someone put it as the forward momentum of the game, especially the the ramping up of the tension from chapters like Surface Tension, where yeah, you know, you've got the Marines and the um, you got the grunts and the aliens fighting in open combat, and it's this crazy helicopters, crazy set pieces. It's so cool, honestly. The, the tension never lets up, but that all kind of dies once you get to Zen. Yeah, and like Zen is more. It's weird, but it's a platforming area. And right. while talking about Zen, Zen is also the only place where you get like the the jet the jump pack. I want to say it is like from the tutorial, the long jump module. Yeah, yeah the long jump module. They can get that you're tutorialized in the tutorial and then you never see that until Zen. So that is something I will note against is that it has a tutorial and an item that you only use in the final level of the game. The final chapters, yeah. I mean, it's it's a decent, it's a third of the game, pretty much, but yeah. I still think that Zen was cool. I mean, I remember playing it when I was younger and being like, whoa. But it's so weird. It is a very good set piece. It is a very well thought. I mean, it's a good idea. It's a good set piece. But then again, so was the majority of Dark or Dead Space Three. That's yeah. That's a good point. Honestly, the thing about Zen is it looks cool, but you've got all the platforming. You have to wait for platforms to get close. You have to wait in healing pools because there's no more there's not a lot of armor except for the batteries um there's just there's a lot of waiting that happens unfortunately talk about whiplash definitely transitioning to zen is definitely a lot of whiplash from the rest yeah. of the game yeah because like as you just said there's the platforming the healing pods whereas the rest of the game it's high action you've got you got health packs everywhere you got running right around, left and right. Around, yeah, right, left and right. And now you're forced to sit at specific areas to do specific jumps. And when you're injured because you know, you're still fighting stuff, doing these jumps, you have to wait a while while healing. I, I will say I just wasn't too big a fan of just fighting a giant space baby at the end of it. <laughs> it was kind of um... left field. <laughs> not only, I mean, they had some weirder stuff planned if you ever look at the cut content, but I mean, it was right. very, like, Freudian almost. I I guess that's a good way to say it. It just, it, it just, again, it just kind of comes out of left field. No, I'm, I'm saying, like, they designed him to be kind of uncomfortable. I, I don't know where that came from. You can go back and look at the developer logs and stuff like that. But yeah, there's a story behind the, the Nihilanth is what he's called. I, I mean, that's fine and all. I just. No, it's still weird. I'm just saying there's, I'm not saying like, I'm not excusing his weirdness. I'm just saying, I think there's something behind that. I just don't remember what. Okay. I also didn't like the fighting that baby. It wasn't fun fighting him. Not really. Yeah. He just teleports you to a random area, and then you have to get back to the teleport to get back to him. And it's an, an attack he does. It's not something he does at certain phases. He just does it as part of his regular rotation. Right. 
And it's always a, like the same. I mean, yeah, it's like three rooms, and all of them you have to hit like a jump pad in order to hit the teleporter again. If it was just a full thing, that would be cool. But he does it as part of his normal attack. And on the top of that, pads. Uh, and on top of that, you can only do damage to him in his head, like when his head is opened up, like a, like a flower, which is a bit weird. Like, it is, so but even even hitting it doesn't always work. I mean, it's kind so, of weird. So the standard weak spot thing has just been a thing forever. So that that part's fine because that's just standard. That's, I mean, I don't know if it's fine. It's just standard gameplay. And not for half, like, when it's the only enemy like that. I mean, you're, I'll give you that, but at the same time, it's, I guess my counterpoint would be Resident Evil games. And uh, even Doom had it with the uh, Sin of, or Icon of Sin. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a big criticism that people have for that boss fight. Because it's mean, just a it, big wall texture. Yeah, there, there's a there's a reason that the what was it the fucking E three meme hit or hit the glowing spot for massive damage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of keeps getting brought up every now and then, and it's just it's a it's an unfortunate side effect of boss fights. I, I think might be the best way to put it. Is just well, you don't want them to just sit behind in a place that they can't be hit so they're just gonna make it so you have to go out or do certain things to expose this one spot that you can deal damage and that's fine as long as it's challenging and intuitive to do that it's just with the final boss of half-life it's not always clear if you're hitting it there's no feedback when you hit it it's a glowing texture okay. a glowing ball texture and on top of that, there's and, no clue to it when you first get into the fight. Like, there's no, like, seams on his head that show that, like, oh, his head opens up or anything like that. It's just, like, you're randomly, you're, sometimes his head opens up and then you have to get up there. I don't know how that, how you get him to do that, because it took me, like, a couple hours to beat him. I mean, it's, it's fine that it doesn't hold your hand and tell you exactly how to do it. It's just, it's not clear that that's the weakness even when you're hitting it, you, you only have sound cues. You only have pain sound cues to go off. So it's more of a statement of just, it's fine that it doesn't hold your hand, but an indication that you're doing the right thing would be nice. Yes, exactly. Yeah, just like that. As far as the atmosphere of Half-Life, part action, part horror, and certainly mysterious what do you guys think i think it did it good i don't think it did it best even at that point oh uh, okay it was trying to be a combination of a bunch of things and you know it did fine it's not the best in any of them but i think it did good enough i right. would uh, again just kind of going back to what was said i personally would feel system shock kind of did it better yeah but yeah expand on that i so again it's not the i i even then i would say that it wasn't just system shock it was also because i think half-life came out like early yeah 1998 
I'd also say that Resident Evil did it better. Mm. Dude. I feel like they were trying to convey it in different ways. That's kind of tough to compare. I So when we're just going for the feeling of kind of like an action survival horror, I would say... I guess the better way to say it is Half-Life definitely relies more on the action than horror. Because mm -hmm. I think the scariest things in there are... Well, it kind of starts out horror. Like, the moment the military shows up, it stops really feeling that way. And it just becomes more of, oh, I didn't expect this giant thing with rocket arms to be there. Oh, I didn't expect you know, kind of Doom-type enemies to show up that have these, like, biotechnological advancements that allowed them to shoot explosives or psionic beings. What? <laughs> what, what enemies are you referring to? It, it's the, um, I know it's... I know there's the behemoth in the train tunnel. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of the behemoth. Yeah, like, the, the gargantuan. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like the moment you start encountering monsters that have or enemies that have fat and they're just even from Zen, it's just like, oh, okay, well, I don't really feel fear from you. I just kind of <laughs> look at you and just go, okay, you're just some like dude that you're just like a military force. And it's kind of odd that that thing is another big, seemingly unkillable monster that needs to be killed a specific way after, right after you kill another seemingly big, unkillable monster, uh, the tentacles. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. give you that. And then, I guess the better way, and then with System Shock, it's, it's slower paced, so it has the more horror feel to it. Like it can still be fast paced, but overall, I feel it's it's slower, and there's actual just like an ever present tension that you're about to just like something's going to be around the corner, and you're going to miss it. Like even with like, yeah. especially when they introduce like the uh, man ray dudes that just kind of chill on the floor. The man ray dudes. I'm trying to remember. I think they might be like slightly invisible. I, I vaguely remember these guys. Were they part of the many? I, yes, I think they were. That's tough. I, I mean, the, you're not the doggos, are you? No. Uh, yeah. Half Life. Yeah. It, it's more of thriller and mystery than um like survival horror i wouldn't even i i mystery i will give you i'm not gonna really say thriller i Why would say it again it doesn't like the it, it didn't feel thrilling it just felt action oriented yeah i would say it would be more minor action with minor horror elements like, yes, okay. there is a mystery about what's happening and what's going on. It just... It doesn't feel like there's that many horror elements that actually are meant to 
fully be there and it doesn't mean it doesn't feel like it's trying to be horror no not necessarily i think at most it's trying to be unsettling uh, and because there's be so a... much foreboding like from the tram ride to I mean... uh, what's that thing that flashes on the screen when you're getting the preamble about gordon and like I guess, a security clearance, it says something like disaster response is discretionary. And it's like, huh, that's interesting, uh, I, considering I, what comes after. No, I I will grant you that, yes, I can see how that would be. It, it just, outside of the beginning, like, again, like, I can give you that up until it gets the, like, the military gets involved. It stops then. Like, there's still a mystery, but I don't, there's no real tension and any, like, momentum the game has is just go, go, go. These things are slowly starting to overwhelm you. I mean, you do get moments that are slower. Uh, the minefield, uh, the area where you've got snipers and you've got one of the security guards is stranded out there. He's kind of asking for your help. I wouldn't count that as thriller, though. I would count that as maybe suspense. But okay. even then it's it's not a like a horror kind of suspense. It's That's fair. It's just a I don't have much time to get this dude I need to get out of here. That's fair. Um I mean you can't save him, but um yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah, there is just the there's a person that I'd try, I want to try and save. I don't have much time to save him. And then it is a kind of shock when you can't. Or, yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, it can do horror well. And again, I think that's where, like, or Half Up can do horror well, but that's just Raven or Ravenholm. Yeah. Oh in the second. Ravenholm in the second game scared the crap out of me as a kid. I didn't enjoy it at all because how scary, how scared I was when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean that 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 is horror done right, and I feel like you get that in the beginning of the game. But again, yeah, because you're kind of in the dark initially. You don't really know what's going on. Crabs everywhere, like especially head crabs. Just seeing what they do firsthand, oh, that's terrifying. Oh, I was more talking about the first chapters of the original Half Life, but yeah, yeah. Even then, you see them hunt people like. In the first one, like I believe it's mm -hmm. the you encounter is having seeing one of these things. You just see like what happened to this guy, and then you see him separately, and then you just put two and two together that this thing that has a hole in it hopped on this guy's head, and now it's a zombie. Yeah, there's actually a really creepy part in the first one where you come across an office that you went into before, and it's the lights off, and there's like a, a strobing laptop. And there's a head grab zombie sitting in a chair, kind of seizing, like in front of it. And if you smash the the laptop, he just he slumps and dies. It's like Jesus Christ. So there, it has its creepy moments, but I think you're right. It's largely more suspenseful um, and action oriented than horror. It, it yeah. plays on the horror first uh, to kind of give you a foreboding sense. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I forgot how to go from that. And then there's the G-Man. The G-Man. Oh, my God. Oh, man, the G-Man. 
I don't want to talk about the demon. Every time I played him before, I would go through every single. I would try to find him everywhere. Yeah, I know. All right. Theories on this is very, this is such an old debate. I remember people talking about this. I don't want to talk about the demon. No, 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 no. I'm not saying, like, oh, where did he come from? Where'd he go? He's clear. No, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) He's clearly like a. A government like, agent of some sort. Well, he's like—he's not even that. He's like an eldritch being. I wouldn't even say he's part of the government. Like oh. he stops time to talk to you. He's clearly some sort of otherworldly being that barely passes off the suit that he's wearing. But the debate well, I was wait, talking about is what did the name stand for? G Man. Like people thought, government man or gray suit man or where is he referred to that in the game? Because nobody ever talks to him as G Man uh, in the game files somewhere, or it was just a colloquial name for him. I, I can't remember which. If it was in the game files, okay. But if it was something the community came up with, then it's like, well, it might not. That's just something that we came up with. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that that's part of his identity. But if it's in the game files, and that's something a little bit different, right? Currently, yeah, that's uh, only within program code in the multiplayer profile menu. Right. Okay. Uh, as far as I know, he's just a businessman who um, who finds mercenaries <laughs> and leases them out to whoever to do whatever. Well, not only that, he uh, it feels like a lot more than that. I mean, Opposing Force has him reactivating a, a nuke to blow up Black Mesa. Whatever it takes to get his uh, his mercenaries to sign the contract. I think it just stands for G Man. Same. <laughs> I don't think the G is any to what he is. I I think it was a placeholder name that people were like, "Oh, this is mysterious. I wonder what it means." And Gabe Newell just went. Don't change it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I don't even know how much story they've figured out for him. I, 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 I think you're right in that he is just this eldritch monster thing that's masquerading as a human. Like the, uh, I guess, just even in like modern day folklore, how men in black are kind of said to have been from like the 1950s. And the Vortigons know of him at least, so yeah. So and they, they pulled him off. That kind of adds to the mystery a bit more. It it does, but I also just I don't think he's meant to have a story. I think he's just meant to be. He's the MacGuffin. It's like why is Gordon on this train going to Nova Pro- like going to Nova Prospect? Oh, because G Man put him there. I think that that's his purpose is just put people in these places for like the the narrative to be. Well, he refers to a couple of things. He talks about his employers. Uh, he references them many times, needing yeah. services, needing your services. Um, and, but it's it's not even just... I mean, Maybe. before you even get to the point where he knows of the Vortigaunts and is kind of freezing time to speak to you, like, 
he doesn't sound right. He doesn't look right. He talks in this kind of otherworldly cadence and like tone. Like he's clearly off. Well, yeah. So the right men in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world. So I think I I I don't actually think his name mean it. It's anything just full out i don't think his name mean anything i think it was a placeholder and they just went yeah keep it that way no i you're probably right i think I, people speculating is just secondary i also just i guess on this topic to go ahead and talk about the thing i said i didn't want to talk about i think he again doesn't have a story and i think his purpose in it is just to be the dm <laughs> i think he yeah, is yeah. just the god running the universe just going, okay, and we need a new plot hook because they can finish that portion of the campaign. You're in a new city, there's a time skip, and everything's gone to shit. Have fun. Or, we need a bit of tension here. So I'm just going to go ahead and reactivate this nuke. There we go. Well, and we're good. Before we go forward, uh, does anybody know how half-life alex turns out i am keeping myself in the dark about that one but i've heard but i know the ending I that adds a lot of like, context i thought it was just like a prequel to two it is yes not. but it, it is also not oh yeah there's some there's some surprising stuff that happens at the end of that it actually yeah. i'll say this it actually hooks for a three. Oh, okay Oh yeah. So that's kind of what people were shocked by. And honestly, the thing I was shocked about was that uh, in the opening credits for Half Life Alex, you know, like when you get through the like part of the game and it's like title drop of the name, it's like Half Life Two Point Nine. <laughs> that was the one thing I was kind of laughing about. Which was that that was actually in the game, not edited in. But yeah. yeah. Hopefully they learned their or Square Enix's mistake with that with Kingdom Hearts 3, and they don't do that. Well, it's just the... It's just that there really wasn't a lot of interest to work on it for a time. Like, they just wanted to do other projects. Uh, did you ever hear about the leak from, I think, the art designer for the game? Once he departed Valve, he leaked supposedly it was the story of half-life 3. i have not heard this yeah so he talks about he name swaps a bunch of stuff he talks about uh, gordon and alex going to the borealis uh, alex getting kidnapped by the g-man and being whisked off somewhere and you waking up somewhere as gordon kind of not knowing where you are he swapped the names out for liability purposes, but um, who knows if that's really true. It's the fact that he came from that position in the company and on that project that people think it might be something, but that was a couple years ago, if not longer. Well, Half-Life 3 taking place on the Borealis isn't that much of a shoot. It's so not, but there were some other details that were interesting. I, I'd have to read yeah. through it again. Oh, I, I believe you. Just like, I kind of assumed that, and I believe everybody else assumed, that 3 would take place on or near the Borealis and either start, end, or 
somehow get onto the Borealis. Oh, yeah. I mean, no way they'd reference it and not have you go there. I kind of want it just to be something that's referenced and then never talked about. Why is that? I personally just think that would be... I just think it'd be funny. (laughs) I think... Like that's the like that's one of, that's just like one of the moments of just like developer going, release this thing about the game. That's that's the DM trick, in you. Trick, kind of yeah, but it's just also just trick everyone into thinking this is what it is. Keep tricking them. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, now we're gonna do the complete opposite. And none of that's gonna happen. They can though because they built up the last episode to talk about that. Like they already referenced it. The Borealis and how the Combine wanted it. It's all a red herring. And they also, um, like, in two, they talk about Aperture Science as well. One thing I want to see, like, this is just speculation, I want to see a proper crossover between the two. Like, Gordon Freeman with the portal gun. I know there are mods for it, but I want to see it official. That'd be so much cool. There were talks about that for also showing up in Half-Life 3, weren't there? That uh, shell's going to show up in it. I vaguely remember that rumor. Luke, back me up on this. I know. No, that's, that's, not, um, that's not just a rumor. They talked about it. Hell, they talked about a Half-Life movie at one point. I but do remember, I remember that. that. I remember vaguely hearing about that. I forgot all about it, but I do know that was... Uh, I mean, they tease. They talk about Black Mesa in Portal. They have the Borealis as an aperture ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Borealis and they, they an talk about, Kleiner talks about how aperture science were, you know, competitors. Like, it all lines up in the same universe. Uh, the ending of Portal 2 has people speculating. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. After this many years. Um, once Cello is free... And, and leaves Aperture Labs and goes to the surface, people are, you know, they were theorizing, like, oh, she's going to see how the world is now under the Combine, depending on where it lines up. Yeah. No. And maybe she becomes a freedom fighter. That'd be interesting to see, because I don't think uh, GLaDOS ever took away the portal gun. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, uh, that'd be a tough... The, uh, companion cube. That, that would be... <laughs> That'd be really tough to swing. Like, how, how would you do that? Like, a, a I mean, crossover. I wouldn't be too... I mean, so... I think you have main game Morgan... Or Gordon Freeman, obviously. Uh, but then you could just do the expansions again and just have Shell running around either working on the sidelines to help or just going around and saving people. Or you could just give her a gun and allow her to shoot Combine. And on top of that, you can probably do like the Aliens vs. Predator 2 route where their stories are happening at the same time. You kind of see each other, but they never really directly yeah. interact. I could oh. see that. Oh. Oh. Hi, right, we're talking about. We have uh, a surprise guest. Avery showed up. Yes, hello. Hi. <laughs> we're talking Valve. Oh, no. Were you oh, no. Dead? I was dead. Oh. Sweetkin has uh, murdered me. Uh-huh. That's unfortunate. I worked two doubles back to back. When's the oh. funeral? 
There's no funeral for people at the airport. They just throw you out there into the middle of the grass. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> just wait till the plane's over the ocean and dump your body out the back. They gotta. We haunt the airport. You know the taxiways in between. That's where the gra- I tell people that's why the grass is so green. That's for everybody who's died at the airport. <laughs> Yeah. So, what what's your quick opinion, Avery? Now that you've joined us on Half Life, I have actually never played a Half Life game. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. we need to get a what was it, Sven's co op, and play it sometime. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I played so some I had, other uh... games, but not Half Life. Okay. What game did you play? I guess we're gonna go Same ahead. Same classic and everyone else did. Left for Dead. Oh, let's see. What game that came up before 2000 did you play or have you played that you're a really big fan of? For Valve? Just in general. Just a classic. Before 2000. Oh, wow. Um, Wow, this 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 is a struggle. Because the issue is I was born in 94. Were so, you really? Yeah, so that's only six years of sentience until um for games. Uh, I actually have to really think about that. Give me a moment. Um, hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily that you played it before two thousand. You could have played a game that came out before two thousand. Yeah, that came out before two thousand. You know, last year. Yeah. Um. It would probably be a lot of like Game Boy games, uh, specifically um, like OG Game Boy, particularly Donkey Kong Country. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. And I know one of the first games I ever had that I, was like my own when I got a system was on Nintendo 64. Uh, it was a uh, Donkey Kong 64. A good game. Yeah, that was um, the epitome of like a game for me i remember going over my cousin's house and they had it and i was like man i really really want this game and it was the most fantastic looking game to me i go back now of course and it's all polygons and sharp angles but in my head it was just yeah i know right yeah fantastic and i'm still upset to this day that i know i have never beaten it i just know i got really? decently far yeah i never beat the game but I'll still love it. <laughs> I still haven't beaten the original uh, Super Mario on the NES, so... Oh, dang. I haven't beaten... Oh. I, I haven't, haven't even... even I, the warp skips. I, I haven't even beat Top Gun's first level of landing the freaking jet on the aircraft carrier. <laughs> I've never played that game. Yeah, I think I missed that one. <laughs> oh, you got yeah, Top Gun on the NES. Oh, get a chance to do that. If you can beat the the first level, you're a god in my opinion. <laughs> if you can do the bare minimum of this game and beat the first level, you're god. I hope you're congratulations. I'm gonna beat that level just for his undying admiration. (laughs) I think we have just for him to deify me. Yeah. Well, Uh, well, dude, 
Well, Cole, your brother Phil said that he finally was able to land it on the aircraft carrier just a couple of years ago. That doesn't really surprise me. I, I, I used to think Phil was good at games. And then I found out that he wasn't. <laughs> That's true, but landing I, landing the jet on Top Gun, it's a whole different caboodle. Okay, I'll take your word for that. I I imagine it's going to be similar to, I guess, the kind of point where I finally beat Phil in a game, and he just refused to let me accept or to accept that but anyway back to old games who here played alone in the dark oh man hmm? i was i did not have access to that one what's that it sounds like a horror game for sure oh it is it is yeah oh yeah they remastered very, it a while a very old 3d tech or 3d game for the PC, I think by. I shouldn't say they remastered it; they remade it, and it those was don't exist. Not the best. Uh, none of them were. None of the, none of the remakes were good. Not the multiplayer one, and not the one for no. the Xbox 360. Although it did have the most intense car driving scene in any video game, <laughs> with uh, just an epic orchestral. Fire just going all out as you're just driving through New York as it gets ripped to shreds mm -hmm. in nonsensical ways. Okay, well, if no one else played that. I'm sorry, uh, no, that's fine. Yeah, I have curious. very vague memories of that game. I've played it, but it's been over a decade. So, I... oh, go ahead. I have two games I'm curious if you guys have heard of or played. The first one is Tron 2.0. Yes! Oh, yeah. Somebody else has played it, yeah! Oh my god, are you kidding me? You know those are the same people that made uh, AVP 2. Oh, they are? Yeah, that's Monolith, man. That's them. They used the LithTech engine, is what it's called. I didn't know that. But yeah, it Tron runs on the same that. engine. It's like Tied for like my favorite game ever. It's so oh, good. So the good. part where you're running from the the hard drive wipe. Oh, the reformat wall. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> it's just big red wall of death that's just like chasing you down. You're just like, uh, uh get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> it's basically a a canonical sequel to the original Tron movie before we got uh, the movie sequel in Legacy, and you get you to go around. Music video. <laughs> Hey, come on! It was it was pretty good. No, it was a, apart from that. Yeah. Punk, it was pretty good. Oh, hey, you need to take that the fuck back. No, no, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they weren't the only thing that was good about it. Oh no, they were just the best part. <laughs> I mean, yeah, except for, <laughs> and then they exploded <laughs> when the whole bar like went up. They just exploded, much like uh, one half of the duo just did recently. Oh yeah. So sad. Um, that was a very sad day to find out that they broke up. Man, you must have gone through like I don't know how many rum and cokes that day. No, I just went and re-listened to their 
uh, disco or discography, whatever, however you say that word. That, that you got it. Okay. But yeah, Tron 2.0 is a fantastic game. Very overlooked. I highly Extreme. recommend it. It's on Steam. They're like, what, $3? $10. It's, it's not that much. It's definitely worth it for a game it like that. It is so good. The writing is so clever. The weapons are so much fun to use. The, you know, light staff, the throwing discs. like The disc, the light the light cycle rod and then you have the uh the corruption grenades and then you have like the the purple weapon i forget what that's called but it's like a machine gun yeah they got so creative with it it's a really good sequel like story-wise it's very entertaining it's so much better than uh than tron evolution like that game oh yeah <sighs> i played that game a couple times it just like i, I always wished that it was trying to play though yeah, that was part of Monolith's uh, phase where they were doing really awesome sequels to stuff that they never made, which was kind of baffling. It's like they never made an AVP game, although AVP 2 is considered like the best in the series. And same with the Tron game. There wasn't even like an original Tron game unless you just count the movie tie-in. You mean the arcade cabinet game? That's what I'm saying. The, like the original movie tie-in game. Yeah. And this sequel had no movie tie-in. It was just a good game. Yeah, the, the gameplay is so good. It's definitely a first-person shooter in asterisks because it kind of flips the whole thing on its head a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just the environments are really creative. Uh, the programs that you talk to and interact with are really quirky and interesting. The writing is very entertaining. The first, the starting cutscene of it is uh, this uh, email script getting put in front of this this like corrupt, like overlord kind of guy. And he's like, "You guys like playing for his life? Please, I'm just an email script. I don't have the permissions to get you into the server." And he was like, "Of course you do. You're an email script. <laughs> you can get me in." And that's one of the best main uh, main servers. <laughs> There's a ton of little. Uh, jokes. There are some enemies that are like computer viruses and you, you... Oh, man. How does it work? You've got like pop-ups that come up randomly, like random adware that comes up. Open names are adware and stuff like that. That's right. It's it's pretty clever. And then you have like an inventory system which you can get like viruses on your equipment so you have to like disinfect them or defrag them. Yeah. It's really good. There's a lot of little mechanics that kind of add to the charm and are very, you know, computer themed. And that, uh, people kind of don't really notice unless you like, you know, really kind of know like the game. Uh, the inventory size varies with the server you're on. Does it really? Yeah. The biggest uh, inventory size you have is when you're out on the internet. And the smallest one is when you're on uh, Thorne's tablet. I can't believe I forgot that. Because yeah. you change from virtual environment to virtual environment. Yeah, the inventory size changes because of how much memory and RAM is available to you. That's It's just a lot of things like that that are very attentive to detail. And on top of that, they also have the light cycles in there too, so it's just like two games yeah. in one. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, cool.
I think we're gonna have to wind down. Now we did miss quite a lot of things that kind of got brought up. We yeah. need to we need to talk about rare at some point because of Donkey Kong Country. I think that's probably an episode on its own. We kind of left out Blizzard, who kind of set the stage for ARPGs. Uh, we left out Thief the Dark Project. Oh, well, yeah, System Shock 2, Looking Glass Studios is a ton to talk out, about. We left out Diablo as well. I also look up I know of, like Battlezone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we did also kind of leave out, I don't know if we had to talk about it, but probably Ultima, I think we probably get something out of. Yeah. But I think we're going to have to call it here for today. Yeah. It is getting a bit late, it looks like. Yeah. Indeed. So thank you for joining us at Geeked Out Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and nowhere else. We don't exist anywhere but at Twitter. The podcast does not exist. You've just been staring into the void and laughing occasionally and nodding your head to the sounds of nothing. It was shaking your head. We hope you have enjoyed your time in silence and look forward to you listening to nothing again later on. Basically, take your meds. Yes. <laughs> go see your shrink. It might be time to go see your shrink. I think you're. Uh, I think it's getting out of hand. I think you kind of need to relax. Just take a day off work. Take a you day. This is quality. Day. Quality content. We we finish up an episode and we personally attack the audience <laughs> so much so that we're gaslighting. Them. Yeah. Well, everyone have a good one. later. Bye. See ya.